Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, Sarcasm Speaks, Jared and Bob here, and we got a special guest, uh, Dan Murphy, as you can see on the YouTube, if you're watching. Uh, by the way, don't forget to subscribe over there. Um, but yeah, so so Dan, you've heard me talk about him. I think I talked about you in at least one podcast, maybe one uh, another one uh, prior. But so <laughs> you're my window guy. <laughs> Yeah, Bob was right. I wanted to make sure the uh, the three day rider rescission passed before I hopped on here. So here I fucking am, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, so what's going on? Obviously, uh, you know, you sold me my windows. <laughs> I met sure. I I you know we we talked. I met uh, the other dude from the other company that shall remain nameless at this point because mm. uh, they're way too fucking expensive. Uh, we'll give a plug to right window though. They're great. Uh, if you can request Dan request him. Cause I was, I was literally about to say he's the man. And then I stopped myself because I mean, Dan, the man, it's kind of, yeah, a little bit. I will yeah. say though, having Bob on that, that was nice. I feel like I owe them like you and the other, the other dude that was on, it's like, it's pretty rare. People know what windows cost nowadays. Most people are like you dude, where it's like, I th- you know, 24 windows you think 16 18 grand 18 uh 800 bucks a window it's pretty it's pretty reasonable so when they threw out like the top of the line window and they threw out 45 grand i was like yeah these kids yeah. fucking get it you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know which is which is a lot yeah it's insanely a lot that's like i said it during that that episode that's how much my truck cost <laughs> yeah, but do that that's what they cost and honestly the, the only frame of reference i have is my mother is she got new windows i don't know what like the financing deal was but like i know what she pays a month and i know how many months she's got it for so yeah um yeah it's fucking crazy though because you just think windows because like i even looked at one of ours like one of ours is broken i'm like oh fuck (laughs) (laughs) you get pounded even harder when it's one window you know well well, i was gonna say but you look at it you can't just do one there's three right in a row so right I I got a guy. (laughs) I mean, you know, this is we're gonna see we're gonna see what happens. We're gonna see what happens here. I'm not I'm not the main decision maker as to what happens here. Also, can you guys do you guys have to go through like HOA stuff? I don't know. I think probably they probably have like a spec sheet. Yeah. But it's like any window person, if I say replace this, it should be fine. But no, it has to go through fucking right. The HOA has to approve it, and then it's like, oh well, what's what's the fire rating on that? It's a fucking window. Like, yeah, yeah. what what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, it's a pain uh, with those associations, condos, anything like that. It's usually just luckily we're pretty good. Right? They want insurance. They want to know that everything's insured. They're gonna say replace it like for like. If you have six over six grids, it has to stay. It's all that kind yeah. of that kind of shit. But it is what it is. But yeah, if you don't need to buy windows, don't. like it's not it's not a fun sexy thing kitchens bathrooms they're they're enjoyable you know what i mean they're fun sort of you know getting a new truck it's good it's all blowing money but you know when window time comes it's it sucks but you gotta do what you gotta do you know yeah uh so yeah obviously that's how we met right just because yeah you sold me some windows but i think uh i think actually you have like a pretty cool story so i I should have led with this too, I guess, by the way, not, not just Dan Murphy, the guy who sold me windows, but you're also, you have a podcast. So you're from the unapologetically me podcast, um, which is great. I've listened to a bunch of episodes. Um, so 
tell us a little bit about like you and like your story and like how you got to where you are now. Cause I all, well, yeah, I'll ask more questions once you get there. It's tough for me. Cause I know the story. <laughs> but <laughs> tell right, right. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, no. So I'm, I'm 30. Well, I'm not 29. I'm 30 years old. I grew up in Drake at mass right in the lower line. So that Merrimack Valley, you know, it's you know a good suburb. I never hurt for anything. We definitely weren't like wealthy, but, you know, I had a good upbringing, great parents, still together to this day. I have one brother. Things were good. Uh, but, you know, I like to party and get fucked up and do all that. And so in my late teens, early, even into mid-20s, was just drugs and alcohol. Um, to the point, you know, of, because you call it heroin or fentanyl, whatever it is. It was pissing dirty for fentanyl, all that. But, yeah, so I was about as bad as it gets when it comes to that. So, you know, I don't want to go down the whole rabbits, uh, the rabbit hole. Anyone who's in the in the program, they know. They're called war stories, right? Everyone has them. But, uh, yeah, a lot of my, my early 20s into my mid-20s were definitely just consumed by drugs and alcohol, getting high. Uh, you know, didn't get in much legal trouble or anything like that. But it was tough. You know, it was tough. But I, I completely did it to myself. So anyone, anyone listens to this suffering from addiction, you can get out of it. I'm not a huge proponent in like, you know, it being a disease. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. All I know is that when I made bad decisions, my life sucked and now my life's pretty cool. Uh, when I met my wife, I actually met her in treatment. We got booted out together. I got caught in the woman's sober house, uh, you know, hanging out. So I got booted out. I ended up fucking marrying that girl. So <laughs> it sounds like a nightmare situation, but it did work out pretty good. Uh, her father is involved in real estate. He owns quite a bit of real estate, which is nice. So we started, uh, you know, buying real estate together, even when I was broke. He has access to investors, which is pretty cool. So I was very, very, very fortunate. People ask me sometimes, like, how do you go from here to there? Like, what's the number one trait? And I go, for me, luck. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> luck. Now, you know, it's the yeah, truth. Yeah, you know, right you place, right time. Luck, and you have to make right place, right time. You definitely have to take advantage of it, work hard, make good decisions. Uh, you know, day in and day out. But yeah, we got started in that in 2019. And now I don't know how many units I own. I probably own 20 something buildings, 100 and something units. But we sort of transitioned into a different model where I buy properties. I work directly with behavioral health operators and I'll buy the property and lease it back to a uh, like any sort of behavioral health operator, preferably like a like a rehab because that's all insurance funded. It's big money, but also just sober living. So someone wants to open a sober house. Maybe they don't have a lot of capital. They don't understand the real estate. You know, the real estate market's insane right now. So we'll go in, we'll fund it, we'll fix it up, maybe fund a little bit of their furniture and basically just hand them the keys, the turnkey business. And then uh, we get pretty good returns on that. So that is sort of how I've, you know, made my money. I definitely do still sell windows. I don't do it uh, for fun. You know, but it's an enjoyable job. You make pretty good money doing that. It's pretty chill. So, yeah, that's that's what I like to do. Buy real estate, trying to get rich, um, selling windows. I enjoy it. Bringing value. That's what I'm about, dude. Yeah, I mean, so that's that's pretty cool. And I, I know you just you said you recently started getting into like the um, like leasing back to the sober house and sober living and things like that. Um, yep. how, like how how many of those have you gotten into so far? So we bought six in quarter one of this year. Wow. So I bought six in the last 90 days. Uh, they take a little bit to get up and running, though. We have a rehab program. So it's a 36-bed residential women's you know, treatment center that uh, – I say we, but I don't run it, right? I bought it out in Athol, Massachusetts, right? For $250,000, we bought this property for us, 12,000 square feet. We filled it up as a rooming house with 30 rooms. We were averaging like $722 a room. 
Now, you remember, all their utilities are included and stuff like that. So that had a rent roll of almost 20000 bucks, right? And you can do the math. My mortgage was, even with the private money, my, my mortgage was like, you know, 2500 a month. But there's a lot of headaches, right? When you own a rooming right. house, it's a fucking nightmare, right? It's a sober house, only like no one's getting drug tested. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like that's sort of how it goes. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it, it was a lot of work and, you know, the utility bills were high and a lot of people didn't pay and you're spending a ton of money on lawyers. So we were making good money there, but I was able to lease it to a company out of Gardner, Massachusetts called Gamma, which is fantastic. Um, so they took the property over with a 20 year lease and they pay a lot. Wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow. They pay a lot. So it's, yeah, it was yeah. life changing for me for sure. Yeah. So when you, I mean, I know you're kind of like moving, it sounds a little bit more towards that type of style, but so when you do that, do you buy a property and get it set up before you get the commitment from the behavioral health organization? Or does like, did they reach out to you and be like, Hey, we're looking for something like, do you have anything for us type of deal? Like, like yeah, so basically like, do you have to take that risk up front that like, you buy this and hope that you can find a behavioral health organization to fill it. Yeah. So it's sort of a mix. That's a, that's a really good question. So we bought our best, most profitable property was definitely that one. And to be honest, like the numbers on it are like, you know, they, they're, they're getting reimbursed gamma, you know, hundreds of dollars a day because they do a lot of work, right? They got like, you know, clinicians on staff and it's, you know, it's like 30, it created 30 jobs. But like that property I bought for two fifty, we had to do a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar build out. So I'm all into it for a million. So my mortgage is six thousand dollars a month plus insurance, yeah. and they pay me twenty five grand a month. Twenty five grand a month, right? So it's like holy shit. So obviously my brain was like, huh, I should do more of that. Now it's not as easy as sober living because there's a lot of zoning. You got to get licensed by the state of Massachusetts. It's just not. Like, oh, let's go buy a single family house in Nashua and, and find a sober house operator, you know. But to right. answer your question, that one we bought and it fell into our lap. Um, and then we kind of got the idea, like, wait a second. And then because of my fortunate or unfortunate past, I sort of have connections with people from sober houses because I've fucking lived in them, you know? So I, I started reaching out to people and realized, wow, a lot of these sober living operators, they, they lease properties. So yes, we definitely do take the, take the majority of the upfront risk, but that's why we're able to get really good lease prices. Not nothing like that particular deal. Um, but yeah, we get like probably at least... 65% to 100% higher than what would be market because they they can put quite a few people in there and they're providing a lot of value. So what I typically do is I made a website and I'll send out uh I'll go on any like uh oh these are sort of the, the secrets of the trade here but fuck it. I'll go <laughs> on uh like mash mash.com which is the Massachusetts Alliance of Sober Housing and I'll find all the state certified houses in Massachusetts so I know they're professionally operated, they're certified by the state and I'll send them an email and I'll basically say hey my name's Dan, go through the whole pitch, this is what I do. I'm looking to buy you a house, fix it up, and lease it back to you. It's a pretty easy sales pitch compared to going in your house and being like, hey, Jared, can I get 22 grand for Windows? It's like, hey, can I buy you a fucking house and just let you run a business? So it's like the sales pitch is easy, and we've definitely had to kind of gear back what we do because I'm getting flooded with calls. Everyone wants me to buy them a house and open. I mean, there's such a, such a demand for it, unfortunately. But yeah. yeah, that's kind of what we do is find the people first, get to know them, see what they're about, make sure they already own one or two get a letter of intent, get a commitment from them and then buy the property. But luckily now in Worcester, Mass, Nashua, a lot of these areas, like because my name is getting out there and by getting out there, I mean in the behavioral health, small sober right. house space, <laughs> not, right. not even on like a regional level or let alone a national level, but like people kind of know who we are and sharing stuff on Facebook. So at this point, even if someone left or they stopped paying, 
it wouldn't be that difficult for me to find someone else because a lot of traditional landlords they won't rent to sober living because if you don't understand addiction you don't understand how it works you think like you want to fill my house with a bunch of drug addicts which is reasonable but it's not really how it goes um if 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 it's done right the lease is triple net so they cover all utilities plus part of the program is for the tenants to clean the house when i lived in there be like tuesdays dan cleans the bathroom thursdays he's got the kitchen so they're really well-run programs if they're done right which means they're great tenants you know right right i've heard of a lot of similar things about um even section eight housing because if it's set up correctly Section eight's great for the property owner because they know they're getting the check from whatever the entity is. I don't know how exactly how it works, but it doesn't matter. Whereas some people look at it and go, Ooh, section eight, all they're going to do is fuck the place up and beat it to hell. And it's like, not always, man. Not if it's like, yep. not if it's done correctly. No, you're absolutely right. And that's why like section eight is rock solid because it's, it's not going anywhere. It's actually less risky than what i'm doing it's less profitable but it's less risky because that's not going anywhere right like section 8 housing people who are getting government assistance it doesn't matter biden trump me jared doesn't matter who the fucking president is that's what it is same thing people don't go oh my god the interest rates are high i'm gonna stop shooting dope right like there's always gonna be a need you know what i mean alcoholics don't go holy shit have you seen prime like it doesn't work that way so it's it's kind of a rock solid business model as far as the demand goes now there's other there's obviously risks associated with it. We try not to like grossly overpay for buildings because we know in five years, 10 years, this particular person might not want to do this anymore. They might leave or shit. They could relapse, right? I mean, right. life is crazy, but you're absolutely right. Section eight is rock solid, but you got to play by their rules, right? And then you get the government in this and get rid of the lead, get get rid of this. So it's, it's a catch 22, you know? Yeah. 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 I see. I mean, so I actually... Yeah, my previous career, I was working for nonprofits. Um, and we, my company that I worked for contracted with DCF. <clears throat> um, so I worked a lot with youth that were just involved in the system. Um, so I was in and out of a lot of group homes. Um, so I know the type of idea. I, I'd, I'd never frequented like some of the sober living areas because I, I worked with the kids, right? So a lot of times the parents were in wherever they needed to be. Um, sure. and I was with the kids, but I've worked with a lot of kids that are lived in group homes. Um, and I've been in and out of those places and some of those places aren't great, right? Like they're not nice. Like they didn't, you know, they're not kept up well, um, unfortunately. So, you know, it sounds like someone like you comes along that actually puts some money into these things and actually, you know, cares is a lot better than, you know, some of the other things that I've seen at least in some of these places. Right. So it's cool. It's cool there that like, yeah, there's a lot of money to be made in that. Yeah. Cause that's, that's kind of the problem. And we've run into it. There are other people like me who are doing this and you know, one, one particular group, I won't even name them, but we have a lot of their, I guess we call them clients, whatever customers who are kind of coming over to us because it's, they take advantage because a lot of people who run sober living, they have a big heart and they want to do it. And they, people will just keep jacking up the rent and jacking up the rent. Cause it's like, you know, if you run a sober living program, you got 20 guys. Yeah. There's a lot of turnover. But, you know, you got those like core seven, eight, nine people who have been there a long time trying to get their life together. And, you know, to just be like, yeah, I'm letting go of this. You know, I mean, it's business. It is what it is. But it's those people are like, shit, where do I go? So they get taken advantage of. Plus a lot of sober living guys, you know, they're not like business people. So I make sure I spell the deal out. Like, yeah, we're going to get a good return on our money. Like, I'm never going to do a deal where I lose. But like, 
how much do you realistically want to make per month? You know, if they're like, I'm happy if I can make four or five grand a month doing this, let me show you exactly how we can do this based on what you charge per week, how many guys you can get in there, blah, 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 blah. And you know, it's got to make sense for both sides. And I want it to, to win long-term. Like for me to hit a home run on a five-year lease and then they bounce, like, like you want this to be passive. You want it to be residual. You want it to sit there. All the mortgages paid off. So when I'm, when I'm older, I can be rich as fuck, you know, like not just, oh, we made a bunch of money in three, four, five years. And now it's, Right. It's not like a, like a building. pump and dump scheme, you know, like this is the Correct. long haul. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not as easy to fill, you know? Yeah. So oddly enough, like years ago, one of the, one of the girls that I dated, like in college, her dad was in real estate and he told me once he was like, the best thing you could ever do is get invested in real estate. And I'm like 22 years old at the time. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I don't give a fuck. That's that's stupid, right? Because he owned a bunch of properties all in Somerville. Um, they were from Burlington, and he, you know, I, God knows, I don't know if he still owns them, but he had like two families, three families, all that. I mean, he could have could have turned around and sold them all now and made you know gajillions of dollars. Um, because I think he probably bought them in like the seventies or the eighties when they were like you know forty grand for a house in right. probably over a million dollars now easily. But it's one of those things that like, I, I wish I knew about sooner, right? Like, uh, so my my um, my grandparents died when I was probably, I don't know, it was 2015 was when the, the, the last one died. And they had their house that was just available. And someone I was talking to, like just a, like a guy like that I worked with or whatever was like, dude, you should buy your grandmother's house. And it, it was in Medford. Um, at the time in 2015, it was before really the market got like out of control. Um, and so my aunt and uncle were going to sell it and they, they listed it on the market, I think for like five ten at the time, which now God knows how much they get for it now. Um, but it was one of those where like, again, at that time I was probably like 23 ish. Yeah. I think I was 23 and I'm like, I can't afford a $500,000 house. Right. And then like, again, they get the guy at work was like, well, work something out with your aunt and uncle. Like, don't go through the bank, like pay them every month. Like do that. Like instead of paying a mortgage to a bank every month, like make a payment to your aunt and uncle, like over X amount of time and all this. And I was in grad school at the time. So I'm not working full time. I'm in school. Like, and I was like, I just, I couldn't make it work. But now here I am, you know, however many years later, was that eight years later? And I'm like, fuck man. Like if I could have found a way to pull that off, like that would have, I would have been sitting on a, a literal gold mine. <laughs> so, yeah. And that's the thing is, Oh, go ahead, Bob. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, so there is another like important thing with, you know, the way that it sounds like you do, you do things, Dan. Cause, um, so I own a gym and we go through the process of like trying to lease a space, whatever, buy a space, whatever we can pull off. And then there's a very, very big difference between a landlord who owns a building and a landlord who owns buildings. And you got to be very clear about what you want. So it's like, because I had the same opportunity to buy, actually, I might have been able to just have it, but it was my grandfather's house. But there's no way that I would have been able to be a landlord at my grandfather's house. So I was like, no, that doesn't make any actual sense. Um. But if you're someone who owns buildings or 
buys properties, all plural, then it's a little bit easier to do this stuff. 100%. And that's because <clears throat> the reason we have to go, because people go, oh my God, you bought six houses in, in 90 days. How do you do that? Why are you selling windows? Like, do we have access to investors? Right? That's like the key. That's like, you know what I mean? You got you to be smart. You got to put a business plan together. You got to take care of it. But, you know, at the end of the day, once you have access to those investors and you know you can get capital to buy stuff, now the money part of it's gone. It's not about money. Now you can focus on like how to get it done. Whereas right. it's just such a drag being like, like you said, you couldn't really, there's too much brain fog in 2015. You're like, I can't afford a $500,000 house. That's like Robert Kiyosaki 101. Like the poor people go, I can't afford it. The rich people go, how can I get it done? Right. You could do seller financing, put 5% down, get a three-year mortgage with them at seven or 8% interest and do what's called a bullet. So in three years, no matter what you owe them, because in Medford, you know, even three years later, you could have just refinanced that property and, and paid them off. Right. In, in hindsight, right. now the property is probably worth $850,000, you know? Yeah, easily. Um, but Bob, let me ask you a question. Go a yep. little bit more in, in depth when you say proper, one landlord or one property versus multiple. Do you mean as far as like ability to grow or just like how they operate? No, it's just how, how certain, how, how these people operate. It's when you have, when you are a landlord and that's it. Um, no, I'm on the other end of it, obviously, because I don't, I don't own shit right now. Um, yep. but what I've noticed, what I've noticed from a landlord versus uh, a landlord who owns like multiple things, the ones who only do it themselves, it's a lot of work on that one person. Right. So, um, you know, they are like, oh, the toilet's kind of fucked up. All right. I'm, I, <laughs> I, I'm a firefighter. I'll be there tomorrow morning. <laughs> like, right, um, right. So like, that's just like sort of the differentiation that a lot of people like don't seem to make like, so cause to spin it back to gyms, cause that's what I'm actually familiar with instead of just speaking out of my ass. A lot of people say there's no sense in owning two gyms. You should either own one gym or you should own five gyms because anything else in between is too fucking chaotic because right. you either own a gym or you own gyms. So, um, I know at least with commercial properties, it seems like anyone that owns properties seem to have things go a little bit easier for them. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, like my father-in-law owns five hundred units, right? So he's got a five-man property management team. So like, there, there's a few different ways to do it. You can be the mom and pop landlord. You can, you know, and basically, like you said, yeah, you're going out and you're funding everything. So when it, when the heating system blows, it's like shit. I'm a firefighter. Let me get my check and try to fix it. Whereas as you start to grow, you can hire a property management company, which is nice. But, you know, real estate's a long term game. As you scale it, you can make a lot of money. But a lot of people don't don't want to put 75 grand down, buy a property. And yes, it's a great long term move. But if you hire a property management company and they're taking 10 percent, you're not left over with a lot of money. But you are now running it professionally, even on a small scale. But you're right. Most people don't do that. They just try to handle it themselves. They get overwhelmed. They're undercapitalized and then they're screwed because as you grow, yeah, the risk starts to grow. But as you start to get cash flow and then the equity of the property starts to grow, it's like, oh, shit, the heating system over here went like regardless of if you can pay for it with the operating account. You have like, you know, you just have all these equity lines open. Oh, we're going to be closing on a building in. Uh, it's like, oh, we're going to close on a building in 30 days. The investors are going to give us the money like we'll just replenish it from the operating account with what they give us for that. 
and then we'll figure that out. And there's just so many ways to move money around and play the game that you're absolutely right. Like a ten thousand dollar thing, like means nothing to me compared to let alone a guy being like, "Oh my toilet!" Like who gives a fuck? You know, just send someone by and go take care of it. You're absolutely yep. right. It's tough. Yeah. So how tough? How hard is it? Do you think to make that leap from like the mom and pop to like running the the plurality of of all the businesses right like say say bob and i because we actually used to so bob and i used to own a house in mansfield um it was a duplex it was one so it was one side of the duplex and we kicked around and hemmed and hawed about like keeping it and renting it out um but neither one of us is very handy and we don't know a lot of people in the area and you know, my wife and I were, were bought, we bought this house that, you know, you've been to. And so we, I, I needed the capital at least for that and all this stuff. So, you know, all of it, all the, the way everything shook out is we ended up selling it. Right. But like, so say, say like Bob and I wanted to, to buy a property somewhere. Right. And how hard would it, would it be for like someone like him and I, or two people like him and I to go from like, Oh, we own one spot to like, Oh, now we own you know, eight apartments type of deal. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, like it's all relative, right? Like growing big. Like when you say like, oh yeah, you want to grow big. I'm like, okay, he wants to get to 150 units, but it's all relative, right? So you're like, oh no, if we own one house and we want to get to eight units, like when you, you just honestly, what you're doing right now is smart. Get around people who are doing something way bigger. When you hang out with people who own 500, all of a sudden getting to 10, they're like, oh, you just want to get to 10? Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Let me show you. So it's yeah. like, it's all relative, but it's, it's, it's tough right now with the interest rates, but the property itself is going to be the key. So like buying a property and then like burring it, they call it, you know, like buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. That's like a bigger pockets one-on-one thing. So, you know, you guys pull your money up, you buy a property, you get it to cash flow, And then, you know, a year later or, you know, 18 months later, hopefully if you got a good deal, right, that's the key. You get a good deal on the property, buy it under market, you refinance it, then you can pull all your money out that you put into it. So you could sort of keep recycling the 80 or $100,000 you guys put down or 60 grand, whatever it is, to keep buying more. So then you go, oh, I could buy, you know, I could refinance the property every year. And, and, and in 20 years, we could own 20 properties, average of a three family or four family, there's 60, 80 units, 90, 97% of landlords in the world own three units or less. So it's very rare. People like, are like, oh, fucking landlords ruin the world. Eh, not really. Most landlords fucking inherit it from their dad. You know, like that's the reality of it. They're not yeah. really cut out for it. But yeah, no, the key is to find good deals. Get around people who know what they're doing. Don't worry about the cash flow. It takes so long to get rich off cash flow. But like if you bought that property in Medford, say you had, it could have, should have, would have, but I'm just saying like right. by now you could have refinanced and pulled out 150000 and then here's where it gets hairy. What do you do with that 150? You go redo your whole fucking kitchen and have Anderson come in and put windows in and go on vacation to Aruba. Or do you take that 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 150 grand and, and you use 250, you use 100 of it to put more down payments down, plus that 50 in the operating account to get it going. Now you get two more properties. One works out. One's not that great. Now you can you're able to refinance. That's how the snowball starts. And then you can become a big landlord where you kind of have like. You just have a bunch of equity in the properties, you know, and, and small things don't crush you. And because most people, they buy it. It doesn't work out. They get stressed. They're not prepared. They don't have lawyers. They don't know how to evict people. They don't they're just not prepared for the fact that it's a business. It's just it's not a difficult one, but it's really not passive. It's active. It's an active business. If you think getting into real estate is just going to be like this easy fucking thing. It's right. not like nothing else. You know, it's it's difficult. 
yeah, there's definitely a lot that goes into it. <laughs> yeah, but it's doable. It's proven. Yeah, I mean, people do it, right? Tons of people do it. So, just it, about every successful it, person I know has gotten into it in some capacity. Yeah, that's the other thing too that I find it really interesting that real estate is like something that people do to make more money, right? It's like people have like their careers or whatever it is that they do. And I feel like a lot of times, like they make a shit ton of money off of real estate in whatever means, right? Whether it's flipping properties or whether it's buying and renting and, and doing whatever. Um, like I said, the, the, the girl that I dated back in college, like her dad was a retired firefighter and he used to just like do real estate too. Like it was just, you know, it's, I met a guy uh, on the golf course not too long ago. He was an accountant, um, just regular like CPA, like just does accounting shit, right? Like makes a decent living doing that. But he was telling me about how like he flips properties, right? So I know flipping properties is a little bit different, but it's it's all in that real estate realm. So it's it's interesting and it's funny to me that like people that do real estate kind of like do it. I don't... It, I don't want to say on the side. On the side isn't a good way to describe it, but like in addition to, I think, is like, you know what I mean? Like someone's a, an accountant and they flip properties or someone's like a firefighter and they, they're a landlord, like things like that, right? Like it's it's interesting that 100%. it seems to always work out that way. And I don't really know why. Because <laughs> without any capital, you can't get into real estate. Like it has got to come from somewhere unless you are like, super linked up with people and you know how to gather investors and get them their money back without working you can't do these things unless you work yeah yeah, that's no, if, yeah. You don't, if you don't the have reason, it you got to get reason, it from somewhere it's true and and when you're uh, the reason all rich people get into real estate regardless of like it's different like i'm trying to get rich doing real estate. That's rare. That's why I'm in a niche. And like Bob said, I have access to investors and I'm finding some sort of a niche that can be you know, these, these behavioral health places pay a lot more than traditional investors. I mean, traditional tenants. So you can, there's, there's room there. Like, and I'm grinding and I got a website and this is what I do and I'm taking on risk. There's always risk, but super rich people, they make their money doing whatever. It could be, a, it could be an athlete. It could be uh, like the guy, Alex Harmozzi. I know you want a gym. You probably heard of him. He did gym launch. He made fucking hundred million dollars. What they do is they pull it in there for tax reasons, right? You're going to get this big old, you're going to get smoked by uncle Sam. So what they do is they just pull it into real estate because you get massive tax breaks. And that, that could be a three hour podcast in itself but that's the reality of why every rich guy goes where am i going to put my money well there's the stock market there's crypto there's this or i can buy a fucking 200 unit building alex rodriguez owns twenty thousand apartments he doesn't give a shit about the cash flow he's just protecting all that money he's smart now it's not a big pile of cash that's going to get fucking handed to his kids and they're going to blow it all they have this massive portfolio of section eight housing so he does low-income housing he said his average apartment costs a thousand a month because now all that money is protected because that's like a 1031 exchange right this is a pretty basic real estate thing if you buy a three-family and then you sell it you can opt into what's called the 1031 exchange so say you buy it for 200 you sell it for 400 um you know a few years later you do what's called the 1031 exchange you have 180 days to roll that money back into another property and you don't pay taxes 
the taxes just get deferred so you don't pay capital gains. And the reason the government does this is because they don't fucking want you to sell your property and take your money and bounce because you're not paying property taxes anymore, right? right? So they're trying to incentivize you to buy more real estate. And you basically, you can just 1031 exchange until you're fucking dead. And then you never have to pay the taxes. And that's what people do, right? So that's <laughs> the game. You know, that's the game. Yeah. Yeah, there's you hear that all the time, right? There's all these like loopholes and shit that people do. Uh, and I guess that's one of them. <laughs> yeah, they they say, even, don't get... well, the thing is, they're not even loopholes. It's the tax law. You just need right. to know how to use it. So that's the other thing. If you want to do this shit, get a lawyer, get an accountant, ones that actually know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. The tax code is a big one. And, you know, all of us, we all pay, pay more in federal income tax. Than you do anything else. It's your biggest expense, but nobody talks about it. I have a TikTok on that. Nobody talks about it. No one gives a shit. It's more than your groceries. It's more than your health insurance. It's more. It's a lot. I mean, assuming you're not making you know thirty thousand dollars a year, but once you're up over hundred grand, hundred fifty grand, you're making two hundred grand. You're paying so much in taxes, you know. And forget about it. Like the professional athletes. That's why they do it. You know, they say like, don't. I think it's like a Grant Cardone thing. Don't get your million dollar checks and buy Lamborghinis. It's like get it invest in real estate and then the cash flow that it spits off that's what you buy the fancy stuff with because that that million you made is protected and right. real estate is a very safe investment if you are looking to like crush it on cash flow like we're trying to do it's a little riskier it's more difficult but if you're already really wealthy and you can put 40 percent down on a building you're just parking your money there in, in a big complex you there's a huge property management company that runs the whole thing it's pretty safe like in 20 years like it's just not going to go down you know, right. It's not right. Be. Yeah. Yeah. And even if there is, it does go down like a 2008 or, you know, what we're coming on pretty soon, if according to some people, it'll go back up afterwards, right? Like it doesn't right. stay down, like it goes down, but then it comes back up. Correct. So, so it's like 401k, same thing, you know? Yeah. It's like, if yeah. you're looking at it, if you're looking at it from a long enough time horizon, it doesn't fucking matter. I yeah. don't care what the real estate market is doing, you know? So does that, does that weigh on you at all? Like this whole like impending doom of like another crash, like a 2008 that's coming in. Like, does it, does it bother you? Like, did, does it even matter? Like, do you, do you feel like you're kind of protected from it or do you even think it's going to happen? Right. Like you, you're way more involved in real estate than I am. Like you might be like, dude, I don't see no crash coming. <laughs> I mean, this is kind of like, this is kind of dark, but it's the truth. I hope it happens. Like that would be a perfect scenario for me. What what the price of real estate goes? I was everything would go on sale. Yeah, everything yeah. goes on sale. Everybody's upside down. Desperate people. They need to get rid of their properties. Hey, here I am with cash. You want three hundred? I'll give you fucking two hundred. We're closing fourteen days. Here you go. Boom. Like that's what do I care? I have a twenty year lease with Gamma. They pay me twenty five grand a month for twenty years. What do I fucking care? What if the building goes like this? Like it's irrelevant to me. I know right. in twenty years, right? So it's. Right. It's the same sort of thing with the sober living operators. And again, that's why I like the business model that I'm in because it doesn't matter. 2008 happens, blah, 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 blah. It's $180 a week to live in a sober house. Like that's not going to change. Like it's just not going to go anywhere. Section eight, low income housing. That's not going to go anywhere. That's why Airbnb is a little riskier. You buy a million dollar house in Miami when the economy goes like this, you know what I mean? People like you and your wife, you might go, you know what? We're not going to Miami this year. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's, that's a good point, right? Cause the, the, the real estate crashes really only affect you if you are selling, I guess. Right. Like you said, like if you're flipping, so yeah, I mean, do you, so your, your buddy, John, right. On the podcast that's with you, he, yeah. he flips, right. 
He does. How come you don't, you don't do anything like that? And I, I mean, I know like it's kind of a dumb question. Cause like you said, obviously like more recently you've found the niche of, of where you're at now. Um, but prior to that, how come you, you were more interested in like the landlord process versus flipping? Well, I mean, there's a few different answers to that. One is I like the long-term benefit. I like, I like the tax breaks that you get with investing in long-term real estate, but the reality is he's a fucking carpenter and he can do the work. I can't compete. (laughs) I can't compete. You know what I mean? So like where I can compete is like, if you're looking at a house and I'm looking at a house, I'm going to lease it to a sober house. I'm bringing cash. I can close fast. I can pay the same amount as you. I can dominate you. I can't dominate in that market because it's like, you know, I have to pay a guy to fucking do windows. You know what I mean? I have to pay a guy to do this. He can do a lot of that. Now, you know, if you want to scale, this guy's flipping a hundred houses a year. Obviously they're not doing all the bathrooms, right? There's different levels to that game, but that's, that's what he's good at. That's his bread and butter. Um, he does some other stuff too on the side, but yeah, that's why like, it's just too hard for me to compete. The time, the time it's going to take for me to learn how to do that. It's just too much time lost with what I'm doing. I'm a huge believer in sticking with one plan. Like, I just want to be like the biggest owner of sober house beds in, in New England, maybe even the United States. That's what I, I don't want to actually run the programs, but like, if I just hyper focus on that, yeah. I'll win. Say no to all. There's other great opportunities out there, but they're your opportunity. They're not mine. I'm going to become the best at this. And that's like, I think a lot of times successful people is they get in, they own a gym, and then they get in and they try to, you know, they own a rooming house, right? They're trying to invest a little bit in real estate and then they want to flip a house. And then their buddy, you know, they're getting and they want a restaurant. And they, they, yeah. And they fucking own a restaurant. It's like, dude, you're a, you know, you got a, you know, it's how do they say it? Like your hole is 50 feet wide and an inch deep. You know what I mean? Make it an inch wide and, and a thousand feet deep and hit the fucking coal or the oil or the gold or whatever you want to say. You know, it's, I, I'm a big believer in that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. And that's a, that's a fantastic point that your buddy's a carpenter so he can just do that shit himself <laughs> but i i also do imagine but like, it is that that flipping game is way more volatile right because then that's affected by the market directly right like your properties aren't if everything crashes doesn't matter your property's worth 20 percent less what do you care like you said you got someone in there leasing it whereas he goes to flip something and then you know if it takes you know, 90 days to get all the work done. And within that time, it drops by 15%. Well, shit, now he's, now he's going to lose money on that, on the sale, right? Like that's, it's definitely more, right. more risk in, in that way I can see. 100%. And that's, it's sexier because you can make money fast. You can make 80 grand in 90 days. You know, well, this, that's a TV shows. That's HGTV, right? Like all those guys <laughs> that come in and they're like, oh, we did all this and we sold it and we made, you know, 75 grand in 90 days. And everyone's like, it's glamorized, right? It's, it's on TV. <laughs> Never goes that way. Construction's tough, dude. Like, you know, like you're getting windows done. Like all jokes aside, like you want a company that's going to come in there and like bang out 18 windows like when they say they're going to do it and if they fuck it up they're going to come back and they're going to fix it you're going to pay for that shit man it's just like that's just the way it is and with kitchens and bathrooms and that's the way it is right they say it is good fast and cheap and you get to pick two and that's very true you know you want good and fast it ain't going to be cheap you want good and cheap it ain't going to be fast and that's usually like a a friend right you know you want you know what i mean you want fast and cheap it's not going to be good so like what do you kind of want to 
do. But if you can do it yourself, now it can be cheap and good and you can control the timeline on it. So that's why guys get into flipping and they have a they have a huge advantage because they can bid on buildings that I normally wouldn't. They can go a little bit higher. Guys like John, he does have access to investors. So he I don't even have that advantage over him. Right. He just has right. a huge advantage in that space. How does that work with so investors? Right. Like, <laughs> I guess how do you I guess how do you find them? I would imagine they probably find you more than you find them, right? Like <laughs> um uh, then, yeah. So the second part of that is like how does it how does it work as far as like they get 10% or they get, you know, what's their take? You know what I mean? Like what's that relationship like like with investors? Yeah, I mean typically like if you're just like someone like you or like if you're new and you don't know anybody you're looking at going to like a hard money lender, they call it. So a hard money lender typically will only make you put down 10 to 15%, maybe 10%. They're also willing to invest in properties that a bank won't. So something that, you know, I'm not talking fire damage or anything like that, but something that needs a little bit more work than what a bank would like to see. A hard money lender is willing to take a look at it. They run their own appraisal. They do their numbers and they're like, all right, you're buying it for X. You know, we'll fund 100% of the rehab. Right. So they'll give you the money to fix it up. If it's a, you know, if it's a $300,000 building, you only have to put $30,000 down and they'll fund the rehab, but the interest rate might be 12% two points. So it's basically 14% interest. So you're kind of like, shit, I got to get in and out of here because these holding costs, it's expensive, you know, right. to hold on to this property. So if there's a hundred grand to be made, yeah. I mean, every month that drags on comes less and less and less. And that's why people think it's, they think it's going to be $80,000 profit. And it ends up being 50 plus it takes three months longer than they thought before you know it they made thirty seven thousand dollars and uncle sam came in and took 20 percent of it and you're like man fuck that that wasn't worth it real estate don't work i don't want to do it and i don't blame people you know so that's yeah that's a tough business it's just in 2020 it was bomb because it was like you just buy something slap a little paint down and you know and like 77 homeowners come in you know first time home buy is all excited just like no inspection i'll throw all this money at it, it was that was a weird time. Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, so Bob and I timed the market pretty well. We bought our house in Mansfield. It was like 2017. Um, and we sold in 2020, 2021. 21. 21. Um, it's it we listed it on a Thursday and we accepted an offer the following Tuesday. It was on the market for four days. That's um, awesome. Did you get more than you asked? Yeah, like 30, 30 over asking. <laughs> so good. So good you guys. It, it was just wild. Like it was quite literally a whirlwind. Like I said, like it we we worked with our real estate agent who who Bob knew. She goes to the gym, which is a fantastic thing. I also love that Bob owns a gym because and he, it's near it's kind of in the same region as me where I can be like, hey, I need a guy for this. And he's like, Oh yeah, I got three of those that come to the gym. Like it's so that that part of it's fantastic. Um but yeah, so we used the the real estate agent. She got the house ready. We had to do a couple things, like you know, we we um, cleaned up the kitchen a little bit. Like we we it was a not formica, but like it was a I don't know. It was a fake. It was a fake countertop that we it just was, painted. Yeah, we just re repainted it. We threw some backsplash up. Um, we redid our bathroom, bathroom ourselves. Yeah, that was a fucking nightmare. <laughs> that was <laughs> that was pretty fun though. We got high on paint fumes and drinking bourbon as we're like painting everything. It was, it was nuts, but it was, so we did the bathroom, we did the kitchen and um, literally, like I said, we listed it on a Thursday 
they did the one weekend of open houses and we accepted the offer on Tuesday. It was absolutely fucking wild. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, in hindsight, you probably didn't even have to do all that. <laughs> right. It's just like, <laughs> no, we didn't. Was yeah. Nuts. You know, I probably would have said that. I would have been like, just fucking throw it up there. See what happens. You know? Cause it's like when the market is like that, it just doesn't matter. I don't even know why. Right. I, but that's the thing too, is I don't really try to get, too into like why the market does what it does or predicting i'm just a big believer in like what are the interest rates today what is the price of the home what can i get someone to lease it for and do the numbers off that when you start like trying to predict it guess what's going to happen you get that you know analysis paralysis you know but no i'm glad you guys made out did you make some i, I presume you made some fucking money right yeah yeah <laughs> yep that's what's up good yeah. for you guys we more than doubled what we put into it yeah I mean, oh, I did. I turned uh, seventeen to four years, just about. Yeah, it's probably three full. I think we. I don't know if we closed on it until like in twenty eighteen. Yeah, so three and change. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I turned around and took uh, most of that and put it into the renovations in this house. So we had to obviously do like the whole down payment for this, and we bought it from from Amy's mom, so we didn't pay like you know market price. Um, but we still needed to pay something, right? And then we needed to pay for all the renovations that then went over budget, <laughs> right? So, you know, I, I think I told you that as we were walking around the house, like we had all these grand plans and then it's like, oh shit, you know, this pops up and then it's like, all right, well, I guess we're not redoing the bathroom and then something else pops up and it's like, all right, I guess we're not redoing the attic. <laughs> so yeah, it's, you, you, yeah, yeah. So it's little things here and there, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it was nice. When I when I, I mean, had it, you guys are smart. You guys are smart. So you got, you own a gym. How how many members do you have? I'm not trying to like pick your pockets. So, that's interesting. That's a hot business. I don't have a traditional gym. I have a I have a gym for athletes. So everything we do is small groups or personal training. So everything's appointment based. Um, it's not like an open access. Come do your thing and leave. Everything's like by appointment or groups. Um, so busy times of year, we'll have probably like 125. 100 and between 125 and 140 and then slow times a year because we are more seasonal in that case we'll probably be more like 80 oh shit huh good for you you got balls dude i respect that that's and what do you do to market for that uh most we do whatever we can with local teams coaches organizations um so it all just depends on what we have. So if it's like a organization in town, we'll do clinics for them, like speed and agility stuff. If it's coaches, we'll just reach out to them and talk to them. Like, you know, what, what can we do for you guys? Like, what are you looking for? Whatever. Um, so we just try to get to like where the athletes are. That's pretty good. Do you want to be, do you want to be in a perfect world? Would you own the real estate? I mean, kind of obvious, but is that like what you're looking to do or no? If we can find a building that works. Yes. I don't yeah. want to rent, but um, I also like the area we're in and we're kind of rooted. I mean, not that we couldn't leave, but that's sort of where we are. Uh, right. So the real right. estate right there is there, there is tough right now. Yeah, it's coming up with the down payment shit sucks. It's a perfect world, right? It might be in like a uh, a place where there's like a few different little businesses. Yep. Like I always said that I tell that whenever I'm getting my haircut and you know, it's like a barber shop and I'm like, man, you should like buy a, like a little plaza, not a massive one. And then like, you know, so then like the nail salon and the whatever else is in there, you know, there's all these like little bullshit stores, like they're covering your, 
mortgage. So now it's not only do you own the real estate that you'll own one day, but you're sort of like a mini landlord and all those expenses are covered. So now it's like everything that you pull in is butter and then eventually you own it. Then you could sell the business someday. Oh, I'll sell the gym to this guy who wants to run it. We got 125 clients this is what we bring in, blah, blah, blah. You do the EBITDA calculation. Boom. The business is gone. Oh, by the way, I'm your fucking landlord. Here's your, your lease. Right. <laughs> so then you sort of can, you know what I mean? Hang on yep. to it. So I, I know it's easier yeah. said than done though, man. Like I wouldn't know how to do all that. If we could find the right property, we would have bought one, but right. We can't find what we're looking for yet. Yep. Yeah, that it's is crazy. a that is a pretty good idea about like the small plaza that has like a bunch of other stuff in it. Like you said, if there's a nail salon and like a like a small liquor store, right, or something like that, and then you have you know a, a, obviously a unit that's big enough for a gym, right? Um, and then kind you of know who does that? You know whose business model that is. Market Basket. Market Basket doesn't sell food. Market Basket is a fucking real estate company. They buy all the real estate. You'll notice that's why there's always a Marshalls and there's always a Starbucks. Almost by every single newer Market Basket. They buy the real estate. They lease to them, which means they can sell food at a cheaper price than all the competitors and they dominate. It's exactly what they do. Oh, shit. I McDonald's. never knew that. McDonald's. Real I would say company. McDonald's is the same thing too, right? Yep. McDonald's is even bigger, obviously, on a, on a bigger scale. That's a franchise model. But yeah, that's like how these companies fucking crush it and guess what else they're getting help with taxes right they have it all yeah. figured out they have it all figured out that's wild i never realized that because yeah now that i think about it like whenever you look at like a market basket plaza like you said like there's always a marshall's there's all there's always uh like a, or a tj max whatever like it's right TJ max home goods yep it's that kind of crew 110 grill it's all part of that sort of uh business model that's what that's what they do yeah because and that's why they always sell things a little bit cheaper it's not like they're getting it cheaper it's not they have it all figured out i used to shovel fucking snow when i first got sober for a company called circle k they had all the market basket um you know they would basically do all the uh shoveling and plowing for those plazas market basket putting that bill and it was like unlimited budget it was like show up if you're willing, if you're willing to shovel all night. Like we know you're a complete schmuck and you're probably like banging dope behind the building, but like we'll give you 25 an hour if you work eight hours. We'll pay you for 12. Just like move the snow. It's just like unbelievable. Anything to not get sued. We don't want to slip and fall when we open these doors. It's like it's so impressive though the way like they do that. They think bigger, right? Because it's it's a combination of owning the real estate, so you don't have to pay mortgages, so to speak. Then you get the tax breaks. Then you sell food cheaper, so you get more clients. It's just. Yeah, they operate differently. That's 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 interesting because then also too now that I think about it, it makes sense they own that building because you never see market baskets move, right? Like you see stop and shops move all the time. Like a stop and shop will move out of a spot and it'll move into like a different spot somewhere, like across town or you know in a different or on the other side of the plaza. Like when we yeah, across across a parking lot. Yeah, yeah, but like. Shaw's like Shaw's will close up and move somewhere else. Like they move all the time, but when a market basket's there, they're there. And now I, I understand why, because they own that building. Yeah. There's a market basket. I live in uh, Burlington mass and there's one in Billerica. I live right on the Billerica line and they closed down. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. It's one of the original like OG market baskets from a long time. And I get, there was one that they actually leased and eventually oh, wow. they, they just built one fucking down the street like you know this massive complex they don't give a shit you know what i mean yeah. like because you think about it right if you're if you're the landlord right if me and bob own the place we're like hey 
You think we can just jack up market baskets, rent like 10 grand? Like, they're not going to go anywhere, are they? And they were like, yep, we will. You know what? That's the straw that broke the camel's back. We're just going to spend like $72 million and like bulldoze the other side of town. Blew that. And you know what's in there now? Probably a hobby lobby. You're screwed. You know what I mean? And they'll be gone in five years, too. Yeah. You know what spirit, I mean? The dollar Halloween. Stuff yeah. Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, spirit Halloween. That's what you don't want. Your own commercial real estate. It's like what you don't want in there. Yeah, that's how <laughs> you, you know? know, like, you're like, ah, shit, I need someone to come in there. <laughs> commercial real estate got smoked during COVID. Smoked. Yeah. You know? Yeah, everyone, everyone's changing, downsizing. I mean, that's kind of my job that I do now. Um, it's not directing commercial real estate, but like the commercial real estate world affects my job. Um, and we do, we're fucking book to the gills right now with clients. Like we have, we have so much fucking work to do over the next year and a half. Cause it's all businesses that are downsizing, you know, everyone's switching to like remote. No, people are realizing that no one's in the office, like no one's coming to the office. So it's like, you know, why are we paying $20,000 a, a month? Or why do we have a, a 12,000 square foot office when no one comes in to use it. And so now everyone's like, oh, we'll just go to the 4,000 square foot office or we'll we'll get the the place that only charges us $8,000 a month instead of 20. It's wild. It's a, it's a wild thing that's going on right now. Um, yep. But it's going to bounce back and it's going to be interesting to see what happens when it comes back. Because then yeah. it's like... Because there's obviously there's the whole push of like people don't want to go back to the office and you know it's this whole thing. I see it like I said I see it with my clients right now. One of them is like this big. It's a pretty big bank. It's one of the biggest in the country, um, and there's like a big push for like a fully return to office model, and like all the people that work there are pushing back, saying no, fuck you, like we're not coming back full time Monday through Friday, and then like the they already started closing some of their other locations and downsizing into their headquarters. And, uh, and now they're kind of like, they force their own hand, right? Cause they can't go back to the old space cause they already closed those ones and they moved people in and they're shifting. It's, it's going to be wild. It's going to be interesting to watch, see how the shit kind of all plays out. Yeah, that is, it is interesting. It's, there's a lot in this Burlington area and there's tons of these kind of like oh, towns yeah. with Heavy on like uh, Waltham masses. And Waltham, one. I get a lot of clients at Waltham too. It's all tech companies and pharma and. They got screwed. You know what I mean? Everyone's working from home. There's these yeah. massive, right? 150,000 square foot or more. 800,000 square foot buildings. And they're just like empty, bro. Because everyone's working from home. And you know what I mean? It's just unbelievable. That's what's so cool about the world though. Is like, you just never know. Like those stupid companies that make those stupid masks. Like who would have thought like, wow, business fucking yeah. went through the roof. You know, <laughs> you just never know what's going to happen. The world is so crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like who knew like the one companies that made like whatever type of vaccines, right? Like vaccines have been around for, I don't know what, like a hundred plus years. Right. But like right. there was this one kind that was made and now they made literally tens of billions of dollars off of this one kind of thing. You know, it's like, that's yep. just fucking wild. That's why there's so much opportunity for young people out there. I mean, you guys are young too, just like me, like, but definitely people in their twenties. There's so much opportunity. Now I hear way too much bitching going on. This world. There is a lot of fuckery going on nowadays, but 
in the market's volatile, but there's so much opportunity of so much access. Like there's been some pretty good tidbits from us, like just on this, this one podcast and there's a gazillion podcasts on YouTube and access to investors and access to this information really. So I see so many people, they get like depressed and down because I mean, the cost of living is through the roof. I don't deny it, but there's a lot of opportunity. Now you can make more money with your iPhone than people used yeah. to make their whole life. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you went to U Lowell, right? I dropped out, yeah, but I did go there for two years. So, I mean, there you go, right there, right? Like, you don't need you don't need that traditional education either, right? Like, I think that's kind of the way the world is going. Like, like you just said, like you can go on YouTube, like you can learn whatever you need to do in on on YouTube and and books, right? Read a couple books or you know listen to some audio books if you don't want to read them. Um, yeah, I hear you what you're saying there about people that are bitching being like, oh, I can't figure anything out. And it's like, cool, man, like you spend $60,000 a year to go to, you know, business school, right, to get your MBA. So in two years, like you have an MBA from Bentley University, but it just cost you $120,000 for that, that MBA. So like now what the fuck are you going to do, right? Because you got $120,000 in debt just from your master's degree, never mind, you know, whatever you did for undergrad. So it's, yes. it's you know, you could have got the same information on YouTube and in books. It's true. It's true. The world doesn't care about your degrees. The world doesn't care. It cares about your value to the marketplace. And that's what kids need to understand. Learn, get your fucking skills up. You can get so much done. People grossly overestimate what they can get done in one year. And they, they grossly underestimate what they can get done in five. It's an eternity if you're doing the right things. You can build million-dollar businesses in 10. Forget about it. But, yeah, your value to the marketplace. Even look at a company like Right Window. You don't need a degree to work there. They don't care. If you go out and you sell a $28,000 job, they have their gross margin. You get paid a commission based on what they make. They don't care if it took a half hour. They don't care if we met for an hour and a half and then I had to come back a week and a half later. If you ended up calling me back and saying it's a, I'm buying $6,000 worth of windows and that drastically affects what I get paid because it's all based on the value to the marketplace. So you can walk in there and sell $180,000 worth of product and make thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in two seconds. Yeah. Or you can sell nothing and make nothing, right? You know, he owns the gyms. Like, What's the value to the marketplace? How many people come in and pay? And maybe they try to upsell protein powders and all this stuff. It's all about value. And the time the time portion of it is, you know, how much do you get paid per hour? There's nothing wrong with that. But it's uh, it's kind of skewed. And it doesn't really make sense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see that. Like you said, people like to underestimate overestimate. And I think the, the other thing too, I mean, myself included, don't get me wrong. I do love to bitch, but I think that, uh, I think people just like bitching and complaining a lot about nothing really. Yeah. We all do it. Including me. If my wife heard me say that, she'd be like, yeah, we all, we <laughs> yeah. all bitch and moan, you know, but that's why I, mean, that's I, what I have the very, podcast for, right. So I can bitch and complain to the, the 75 people that listen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I bitch and moan and complain too, but hundred percent personal responsibility. And that's like, that's the best way to do it. Whose fault is it that I was a drug addict? Me. Whose fault is it that I got out of it? Me. Like whose fault is it when I was poor? Me. Whose fault is it if I'm a millionaire? Me. Like I, I'm a big like believer in that. Cause then you can, you know, feel proud of yourself and, but also never forget the luck. Never forget. You need luck. It's just, it's always the people who do the right thing and put themselves in there ready for opportunities that always seem to get lucky. <laughs> you know, yeah. that does yeah. seem to go that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, um, 
All right. So, so typically like, you know, right around when we get to the end of the show, we do this thing called final thoughts, right? Like it's, um, so it can be literally anything. It can be out of left field. It can have nothing to do with anything that we talked about. Like we spend most of the time talking about, you know, uh, you know, uh, real estate and financial stuff. My final thought today, I'm, I'll have to pull it up, but I think it's about like an ultrasound, right? Like it's, so it doesn't have anything to do with anything. Um, you can either go first, we because you're the guest. We can go, either I can go, go first, first, or we can let. Yeah, I was gonna say Bob can go first. You can kind of see and you can think about something. Got it. I can finally see why Italian grandmothers cooked so much fucking food all the time. And I know I texted <laughs> this to the group. I was here. Michaela, Michaela left on Friday. Mm-hmm. It was just me and the dog, and I grossly overcooked. And over eight, accordingly, obviously. I don't know how it happened, but somehow in my ma- in my math in my head, when I went to the store, I was like, oh, "I need all this food. Like, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go hungry because I couldn't possibly just get back in my car to go to another store to get my own food to cook or to have someone cook it for me and pick it up. And then, in which case, no issue there. Um, but yeah, once I got rolling. I ended up making, I probably, if I needed four meals a day or four servings of food a day, I must have made like six, six, and five. And I'm just like sitting there eating. I'm like, well, there's no sense in saving this because I'm just going to have more food later. So I might as well just eat it now. (laughs) I'm sitting there like not hungry, but I got to eat this because I defrosted it. So now it's going to go bad. So it starts to make a little bit more sense how those grandmas did it. Yeah, I could I could see that where it's like, why'd you make all this food? I don't know. I had it. I had it. <laughs> I had it and I was cooking. <laughs> all right. I like it. Uh Dan, you come up with a final thought or you want me to go? You go. All right. Uh so my final thought is uh <clears throat> like I said about uh an, an ultrasound. So the other day, um shit, was it like last Tuesday? Uh, we, so we went, uh, we went to get an ultrasound. So we're like halfway through, I think, right. Yeah. We're like 21 weeks ish. So we had to do like the anatomy ultrasound or whatever. Um, dude, shit is wild. So like I said, Amy's like 21 weeks pregnant, roughly, right. Like halfway through, right. It takes 40 weeks, all that yada, yada, whatever. So they do the ultrasound and they're going through and like, I'm literally sitting there and I go, holy shit that's the spine. And the, the ultrasound tech is like, yeah. And she's like going around. She's like, look, these are the hands and you can see like hands. And then she goes like to the feet you can see all the feet. And she's like going through. And I'm like, yo, what the fuck dude? Like this thing's like fully formed. Like I, again, it's the first kid, right? Like I don't understand anything. All I know is it takes 40 weeks to have a baby. And here we are at 21 weeks. And I'm like, this thing's like ready to go. Like, what the fuck are we doing for the next 20 weeks? Like, (laughs) other than like, I guess just getting a little bit bigger, right? Like what's, what's, what's going on, but it's wild that like, I don't know. It was just, it, for some reason, it just like blew my mind. Like the bones are like, you can see the bones in the ultrasound, right? Like you can see like the individual vertebrae in the, in the, like the, the, the fucking, the bones in the hands, right. And the arms and shit. And I'm just like, it just blew my mind. And I was like, this is wild. Um, so I asked the ultrasound tech too. And I was like, so like, what's not ready to go right now? Like what hasn't been formed? And she was like, oh, the lungs, like the lungs are the last thing. And I go, I guess that makes sense. Cause you don't need them. 
until you you're actually born, right? I think um, somewhere around around thirty weeks, I think, is when they develop. Um, so it's dude, it's just wild. Like I said, I know you've been through it twice, um, but again, it's my first time, so it's just it's just kind of fucking nuts. the The other thing too, the one thing that people like don't really explain is that you don't get that many fucking ultrasounds. <laughs> like you think, right? Like, oh, you're pregnant. Like you're going to have a baby. You're thinking like, oh, you go get an ultrasound like every week, right? Like, oh, let's go. Let's see what the baby. No, this is like our, I think this was like our second or third ultrasound. And we're halfway through the pregnancy. And like, I have no idea when the next one even is. So it's just, it's one of those things that like, no, kind of one of those, like no one, no one really tells you. Um. And then also, like I said, it just kind of blew my mind that like basically everything in this baby is developed. That's exciting times, man. Like I'm happy for you guys. Like that's, that's the best part, honestly, the pregnancy, it's a long process and all that, but man, yeah, it's fun and it's exciting. And when you first bring, I think I talked to you about that in, in your house. I'm like, yeah. man, it's so, like you, you know, you go through the baby's born, you rip the baby out or they do whatever it's wild. And then, you know. And you're hanging out at the hospital, and then you you get in that car, man. You look in the rear view, you see this sort of fucking baby, and you're like, holy shit, like, this is mine. And that baby's coming with you everywhere, forever, <laughs> essentially, you know? Yeah, at it's, least uh, for 18 years. <laughs> 18, is that 25 is the new 18? Everybody's broke when they're 19, <laughs> 20 years old, you know? Um, no, that was good. I guess for my final thought, and I'm actually shocked this didn't bring, get brought up, but it was just right before we hopped on. The Celtics are fucking trash. Yeah. And they're not winning. They're not going to win the NBA Finals. It was so fun to watch that game and be like, "Oh my God, who sucks more? Like who? The 76ers are terrible at finishing. You know, like they're terrible. And it was just a battle of like who can suck more. And we were able to pull it out. So in, in traditional Celtics fashion. Yeah, yeah, but, I did. I caught the end of that game. So I saw right on the, the they went on like a fourteen to two run or something like that. Fourteen to four run. Whatever they came back, they had the lead, then they blew it. And then right at the end of regulation, Marcus fucking smart tries to take a three and obviously misses it and they go to overtime. And then obviously, you know, the rest is history. But but yeah, no, I, I hear you. So the way you're talking about the Celtics is exactly how we felt about the Bruins. <laughs> I was dude, that was so interesting to me because I'm not a huge hockey fan. Like I am. I mean, I'm a Bruins fan, I'm from here, but hockey is just not my and I'm like, man, that's obviously kind of being a you know, casual, it's like the Bruins are going to smoke them. And then that's why that podcast, the one I listened to when you first talked about me, this you know, this kid was like, oh, the Bruins are going to lose in six next series, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, we'll see. And like, I couldn't even make it out of that one. It was just shocking no. to me, you know? Like, How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, mo a lot of it is, uh, I guess I've seen them year after year not meet expectations and they never one year there was one year they surpassed expectations and that was 2011 um so i just i just know enough not to be fooled like i will not let them like i will not let that fucking organization fucking get me no way <laughs> i will not yeah. get caught by them fuck that yeah i don't know i'm losing faith in the celtics though like i they're great they show signs of greatness but like i just I don't know, man. They just always find a way to blow it. You know, they do. They do. Yeah. Like, that was so Celtics. Last second, Harden hits a big shot. Okay, we got some super Celtics. Let's go. Marcus Smart missed it at the end. We don't even get a fucking shot off. It's like so standard of this team. You know, I'm just getting yeah. tired of it. 
getting tired of it. Yeah. I mean, I watched, like I said, I think I watched like the last, like, you know, four or five minutes, but like before going into overtime, um, I don't think Jalen Brown touched the ball once. And it's like, he's arguably the best player on the team. Right. I mean, obviously everyone's going to go to Tatum, but there the people can have the debate, not me. Like I don't know basketball well enough, but like, I know people are debating between Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. It's like, you're going to tell me that like with 15 seconds to go in regulation on a tie game, Marcus smart is the dude that you got throwing the three up and Jalen Brown hasn't touched the ball in four minutes. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, Jason Tatum, two points at halftime, you know, like yeah. really dude. I don't know. I just don't. And then he comes out and he scores 22, 24 in the second half. And we just fall short. He missed some big free throws. It happens. We were up one Oh five, hundred, but no, just like, even like Philly, like they suck too at the end of the game, like a lot of bad shots and bead getting swat and B got swatted by Al four times in the last like four minutes of the game. It's like, dude, <laughs> you're trash. You know what I mean? Like it was, yeah. uh, and then I remember, and I forget what it was game two or whatever, where we blew him out, or maybe I forget what game it was. They had a, five, a big five second violation, Philly, like towards the end of the game. Just like, really? Like, I'm not an NBA. I suck at basketball. Let's let's call a spade a spade here. And like, I, you know, in a clutch moment, I'm going to throw the ball in. I'm going to throw it up. Even if I throw it away, I'm not just going to sit there. You know, so it's just interesting to watch two teams just yeah. both kind of like choke at the end, but they made a big shot. Harden made a big shot. And we just don't. We just don't seem to have a guy like even Paul Pierce. Jason Tatum is better than Paul Pierce, I think, overall. Yeah. But like Pierce could like get a bucket when it matters. We don't really have someone who does that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a that's a pretty solid point. Like they don't have that like clutch like closer, right? Like that guy that you know is gonna hit that shot. Yeah, or at least that we want to take it. You know, it's like Jalen <laughs> yeah. Jalen Brown's great, but like Jalen Brown, if you're up two. And Jalen Brown's got the ball at the end of the game. Fucking follow him. He ain't going to make two. He's not making two when it matters from the free throw line. We all know that. <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? He'll make them all game long, but when it matters. And the, the only guy who wants to pull is Marcus Smart. And I like Marcus Smart, but like, fuck, man. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, <clears throat> uh, that's going to do it for us for this episode. Uh, oh, we uh, we got some sponsors, though. We got to thank them. Uh Dan, do you like to sleep? Oh god. I love to sleep. I love <laughs> to you, sleep. How do you sleep? You sleep good? Like I sleep like garbage and just like you're about to. I got little babies, dude. Yeah. So uh there's this stuff called Moonbrew. You can go to uh www.moonbrew.com. Uh and it's a really stupid promo code. I, it's been a running joke over the last like six podcast episodes. I've been trying to change it, but the promo code is Jared, J-A-R-E-D, 16159 the dumbest fucking thing ever um, makes it hard yeah it's yeah it's, it makes it like so people like don't want to use it right like if i was just <laughs> listening to this podcast and i heard the jackass who runs the show be like oh this is the promo code it's jared 16159 i'd be like i'm not using that fucking promo code like you're a jackass like that's what's that's it do so it gets you 10 percent off on well, uh, no, that i figured that what's moving the product do? too <laughs> <laughs> So it's a uh, it's a nighttime tea, right? So it uh, it's got it's got uh, I forget the type of magnesium, but it's got two different types of magnesium in it, three and eight. So magnesium three and eight, and magnesium citrate, which are like the two best kinds you can get. Uh, it's got L-theanine, uh, which is like a precursor to 
uh, I don't know, some protein that helps you sleep. I don't know. I, I had this all down, but I forget it now. Uh, <laughs> but so, so I his like historically sleep like shit, right? Like I've never, I've never been a good sleeper, um, for years now, but I started taking it recently and I, it actually makes me sleep a lot better. Um, so truthfully, I, I do like it. Um, you know, it's not, I wouldn't peddle a product that I didn't like. Right. Um, but so, so I think it's worth it, right? Buy it. Don't whatever. It's, it is what it is. Our, we, it's the promo code, right? Uh, but no, I'll yeah. Try it. Jared one, six, one, five, nine, dumbest fucking thing ever. I yeah, emailed I them like you. three times to be like, Hey, can we make this like sarcasm pod or like something? Cause the only information they ask is your first name, last name, email address. When you sign up for the affiliate code, and so like they just base the promo code off of your first name. And I was like, well, if I had known that, I would have just typed in sarcasm speaks as my first name or something. You know what I mean? So I don't know. They don't want to respond to my emails either when I ask them to change it. So I hold on. I believe this moon brew is good, but I'm gonna ask one question before we hop off and tell me yeah. the truth. You said I wouldn't do it. If this stuff sucked, but they paid you 10 grand a month, would you still talk about it? No, yes, you would. How bad does it suck? Yeah, how bad does it suck? <laughs> no, no, obviously not like you know, gives you lung cancer. I know you guys like that. <laughs> you got a little baby on the way, you just finance those windows. It's like, you know what? It tastes like garbage, but no, I'm sure the moon is good. But no, I, I talk about well, no, so the, the taste isn't on the taste is very bitter. I've said I said that before. Uh you gotta add honey to it. I remember you gotta add honey to it. Um honey makes it a lot better. Um the taste itself, again, it's 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 bitter, it's not awesome. Um, but I don't drink it for the taste. I drink it for what it does. So I, yep. I get through it. Um, so yeah, shout out to Moonbrew over there. Um, also shout out to, uh, grillyourassoff.com, the world's best seasonings, uh, uses promo code sarcasm pod that actually makes sense. Uh, and that'll get, that gets 10% off, uh, your order every single time you check out over there, grillyourassoff.com. And the last one is mybookie.com. Uh, use the same promo code sarcasm pod when you sign up. Uh, and they'll double your first deposit up to a thousand bucks. So nice. Um, that's them. So why don't you uh why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Yeah, I mean you can find me. I got uh Daniel Michael Murphy on Instagram, Daniel Michael Murphy one on, on TikTok. I got some TikToks that have blown up recently. I got some hate on there. Uh you know, it's if you I put up a podcast and some feminists got very upset. Uh, not a podcast, a TikTok. And it went, uh, for me, viral. It's all relative, right? But when you open your TikTok and there's 3,000 comments, all negative, you're like, oh, boy. what That's awesome. Do? That's the best you kind. Know? There was a lot. But it was, uh, yeah, no. And then obviously the Unapologetically Me podcast. I've been busy. I haven't posted one in a couple of weeks. i got to get back at it and be more consistent. I know John had a death in the family. Um so it was a little bit difficult for a while, but yeah, I mean, we talk real estate, we shoot the shit. It's a little more vulgar than this one. I'm kind of, you know, out there, but it's nice. We got a nice studio, got a good setup. You guys are welcome to come by. If you want to drive up 95 in traffic, it's in Pelham, New Hampshire, but anyone can come by. We got like a nice, like in studio place. You guys can get drunk as shit. I don't care. You know, have fun. <laughs> that would be fun. I mean, I don't know about the getting home part afterwards, but <laughs> how long were you home? You know what I mean? It's all good. It's all good. You gotta, you gotta get it. a property up near there, you know, rent it out. It's have the people come on the show, right? And then you have them stay in your property right there. Could do that. I know I gotta get it big enough. It's hot. I got some traction on TikTok. I was posting consistently for a while and 
you know, you get to like zero to like 3,500 followers, but it's like a job, man. It's like a job, like posting that stuff every day, every day. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, I'm notoriously awful at uh, keeping up with the Instagram because so we like Bob. So Bob runs our Twitter, um, which is sarcasm underscore speaks, by the way, uh, for those listening and watching. Uh, and I run the Instagram, which is sarcasm speaks pod. Um, I suck at it. Like, I'm not even going to lie. Right. Like it's, I'm not good. Like I used to be way better at it. I used to post all the time as part of that. Not, it's not a real excuse, but my last job was like way less of a job. <laughs> just right. just a, it, what it was. Um, my job now is a lot more like demanding, even still, it's not super demanding, but it's, it's, I actually have work to do during the day. My last job, I would like sit around and do nothing. Um, so I just don't, I just don't, I, I'm, I suck at it. Right. Like I don't have any real excuses. It's just, I haven't been good at running the Instagram. Um, but it is, it's hard, right. The social media, cause if you do want it to grow and you do want it to be big, it is, it's a job in and of itself, right. You got to post every single day. So it's a lot. Doable, but yeah, it's tough. Yeah. But I appreciate you guys having me on. It was a good time. I'd be happy to do this again whenever. Yeah, absolutely. You're always welcome. Yeah, we can shoot the shit about more stuff than just my stupid real estate. Yeah. <laughs> Although hopefully some good tidbits for people. Some good tidbits for people out there. It can be done. Go get rich. What else are you doing? I'm sure it's mostly young men watching this. Something tells me there's not a bunch of sexy girls watching us. It's young men. <laughs> Go out. Fucking work hard. Grind. Get rich. That's what I'm about. Have babies. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do drugs, you know? Thank you, guys. All right. Thanks, Dan. Have a good one. Thanks. See ya. All right. Um, so again, that was Dan, Dan Murphy, my window guy. Um, shout out to him. Uh, shout out to Bright Window. Um, you can find him again, like he said, on the Unapologetically Me podcast. Uh, I believe, I don't want to speak for him. I should have asked him. Um, but I think it's anywhere you can find podcasts. I listen to him on Spotify um, just because I use Spotify for everything, podcasts and music. Um, but, you know, I'm sure he's also on Apple and and all that shit too. So uh, we covered the bases with the sponsors. We told you about the uh, the social medias too already. So if you're watching on YouTube again or you're listening wherever you're at, don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, uh, like us, tell everybody you know about the show. Um, we drifted off the map in Missouri, but we kicked it up even more in Virginia and California. So I don't know if the people, well, I don't know who would move from Missouri to California. It seems like a really bad move, but um, yeah, to keep telling everybody you know about the show. And I guess... You know, like I said, we lost the people in Missouri, but we picked them up, uh, like I said, in Virginia, uh, like I said, California, Rhode Island now we got a few. So, you know, shout out to all you guys out there, uh, but keep spreading the word. Uh, so until next time, good night, everybody. Good night.